This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm your host, editorial director and co-founder of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, Jamie Bogner. My guest on the episode today is Flores DeLay. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine Brewing Industry Guide. This quarterly independent business magazine for the craft beer industry features timely content on everything from brew house build out to legal and marketing challenges for breweries from 100 barrels to 100,000 barrels. Industry peers and professionals share their most valuable insights in the Brewing Industry Guide. Subscribe now at brewingindustryguide.com. So like I said, my guest on the podcast today is Flores DeLee. Uh, he is the principal for Kathinka Engineering in Fort Collins, Colorado. His past experience is wide and varied, from a project manager for Steinecker to technical director of New Belgium Brewing, brewmaster for Dogfish Head Brewing, uh, where he appeared on the TV show Brewmasters on the Discovery Channel. Some of you may know him from that. Uh, he launched Kathinka in 2004 uh, as an engineering firm consulting to, to breweries across the country and around the world. Avery, Great Divide, Great Lakes, New Belgium, New Glarus, St. Arnold, Uinta. Most recently, he's been uh, working with Russian River on the build-out of their new brew house. Uh, he also, several years ago, launched Kathinka Labs, a division of the company, to, to help small breweries uh, improve their analytical processes and make better beer. Uh, Floris. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. Jamie, thanks for having me. That's exciting. <laughs> so you've been around for a while and done quite a bit uh, in your history here in craft beer. Um, you know, and we've talked in the past uh, about how much things have changed. Uh, for you, what does that pace of change look like? Um, and how, do, how does what we're making beer, you know, what brewers are doing to make beer today compare to, uh, to what it looked like in the, in the mid to late 90s when, when you started out in the world of brewing? Wow, that's a, that's a big question. Um, I, 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 when, I, when I graduated in, uh, in 92 from brewing school in Belgium, I had the opportunity to work in, in breweries in Belgium. And I had a professor and uh, he told me, he says, hey, Flores, there is this kind of thing in the u.s it's it, it's craft beer that that might be something interesting to you and um coincident or coincidentally i had friends who were in um studying uh, to get phd uh, phds in in for collins at colorado state and uh so i went to visit them and i ran into one of the owners of one of these crazy things according to my professor and that was jeff uh liebisch at new belgium and um, then i got to meet kim and um, and uh, all I did was go back, ask my parents for a thousand dollars to buy to buy myself a second ticket, <laughs> and, I've, and I've never worked in Belgium since. So um, it was very different uh, uh, those days. How, how many employees did New Belgium have at that time? I think I was number six or number seven, <laughs> and uh, so it was. It they was, have what eight hundred now? <laughs> yeah, and, and um, it's just exciting to see how right. how a brewery from uh, then the we had the daily run to Ace to get the parts to keep the brewery going to now a brewery with with some of the the most eloquent um, facilities and beers and and such a, a, a high water mark of the in, of the industry. It's 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 exciting to see, but. Yeah, in, in those years, a lot has changed. Um, 
one of the things that that I thought was really intimidating it was in in 95 and 96 was that like wave of bad beer that that was really something scary and and uh, and everybody and when we talk owned about that you're, you're right i mean I, I started drinking craft beer in about 1995 okay. and i remember that like 1999 2000 point where it seemed like you know from the local brew pub chains where i lived in florida hops chain like folks just started going out of business left and right because beer just wasn't that good just what was didn't you know resonate with uh, with customers and there, were that, there was that initial you know, excitement and uh, you know boost, but then uh, it seemed to to kind of the bottom kind of fell out of it at that point. Yeah, it, it, it was a, it was an I thought a little bit of a crazy time. It, it was this this confluence of two things. I think that we we had, we had brewed uh, enough good beer on the market, so people started to know what good beer was, and um, I think a lot of people said, "Wow, that's exciting! Let's get in there." And so you had this mix of We've had we we, we 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 and with we I mean the entire industry. We had educated people that good beer was something worthwhile to have, but then on the other hand, there was was this wave of beer that came in that was just not worthwhile to have. And um, I um, I uh, and I was teaching a class in in Panama and Central America here in January, and I I kind of used some words of some of the keynote speakers over the years at the at the craft brewing conference where i said like hey people we we collectively own the brand craft beer and in the late 90s and the early 2000s that was that shakeout to and the people that really owned the brand craft beer that really put the investments the time who were willing to dump some beer that was not good um uh, um, I think got got rewarded, and and I think this is it's one of the pieces I say most in in my classes or in consulting work is that like you you as a brewer um, doesn't really matter how big you are, but every beer that you put on the market at the end could be a person's first touch uh, of craft beer, and if that is really a bad beer, you you actually do yourself a disservice. But a lot of brewers. Uh, at the service, actually, all of us uh, craft brewers, and um, it, it was interesting because in in uh, in, uh, in Panama, I got a I got a standing ovation over that, which I <laughs> which I thought was really cool because some of the beer there was not good, but other beer was exciting, and um, the fact that people recognize that um, I think is important. But it, but it's a message I think we have to keep keep up, and we we need to keep talking about, it. and that's also why we have Katinka Labs sometimes knowing a number um being able to expose yourself a little bit to data and say hey i thought i'm doing this but is that's really what it is um micro results that are not always as great as you want them sure, to be but sure. but willing to listen to it willing to read it and and challenging yourself to improve is important so you know and, and some folks listening will certainly understand this you have that the historical perspective but uh, others that are newer to craft beer may not uh, may not have that full concept of history you know we went through that 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 boom phase and that bust phase but what happened in those early 2000s one a lot of uh, inexpensive brewing equipment ended up out there on the market and allowed some folks to get into the brewing world who otherwise might not have had uh, the capital or the the uh, uh, resources to jump into it and number two the, the entire world of craft beer, uh, most of the major brewers decided, hey, you know, let's start sharing information and best practices so that everybody can make better beer. Because if everybody makes better beer, then the entire category, all the all the ships will rise. 
And, uh, you know, and that was kind of a watershed. I mean, folks look at the craft beer culture and community now uh, and the way the breweries share information and the way that they speak openly about their processes and what they're doing. Uh, and it's rather unique in the world of business, period. I mean, most times folks that are competing in businesses don't share information with each other in the way that craft brewers mm -hmm. do. Um, but as a result, we've seen you know, this incredible growth, which is, uh, uh, you know, surpassed the kind of growth that most other businesses will see in any kind of category. Uh, and that's on the strength of this, this kind of cultural sharing. Um, and you got a front seat uh, view of all of that as it took off. I, I think the, 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 that fact of sharing, that, that ability, that um, I like to use the word, the community, um, was, was, has always been exciting. And I, and I think, it, it's still there. I had um, a brewers uh, uh, for a project that we that we're working on in in Honduras, and we did a, a tour. We were at Avery, we were at New Belgium, we were at Odell's Funkworks, and and the feedback from the brewers um, that we were visiting was that mix of of motivation, but was also sharing some details. And and you're absolutely right. Being in an industry where people are saying hey we did this well we did that bad and then that willing to share because um something that doesn't work is as valid to know as something that 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 does work and so this comparison is is kind of exciting but the fact that we share and that's probably why i'm still in the business <laughs> <laughs> because that learning learning from each other being able to admit that that something is uh, is wrong um, Sam had a, had always had a, had a great comment after that episode uh, of Brewmasters where we dumped two batches. It, it was the topic that people talked most about after watching um, uh, Brewmasters was that we that we dumped beer, and I I had never thought about that. Uh, frankly, that that was wordy, a piece of information. Right. And. Um, and because people would say like, well, I've, as, as, a, as a brewer like Dogfish, you guys are so good. Why would you dump beer? But actually every uh, uh, brewer that's honest will say, well, I had to dump that because that ingredient didn't really work or we made a mistake. And um, everybody does that. You don't make the same spaghetti every day as good at home either. And um, But sometimes we do, we do make mistakes. And I think it takes... It well, takes some two, confidence. Yeah, there's two ways the brewers that tend to deal with that. Num number one would be dumping beer. And number two would be if it's a beer that's simply out of spec to a, a brand, um, but still they enjoy the flavors or taste of that, um, releasing that as a different beer. Yeah, and, that, and, and I think that that's totally okay. Yeah. Um, but I think we do need to be honest to ourselves and to each other and say, hey, this beer was really not good sure. and we're not going to sell it. And that was the one of the things at the Brewmaster series we got the most comments about, yeah. that we truly dumped beer. And I think that every good brewmaster will have heroic stories over a beer <laughs> about when they had to dump, to, to dump beer. It doesn't make you a bad brewmaster. Right. Dumping beer is a reality. If you have to dump beer every day, then you're a bad businessman. <laughs> but um, then there is another problem. But sure. ultimately, we have to be able to be honest. Well, you know, and I think from a consumer perspective, it's hard to uh, constantly keep in mind that we're dealing with living organisms, yeast, um, that, 
usually do what we expect them to do, but don't always do what they expect mm-hmm. them, what we want them to do. Um, and that you know, creates variables that, uh, that are certainly going to change things from time to time. And, uh, Absolutely. And, and think about this, the battle against a billions of individuals, in this case, yeast cells, is not an easy, an easy battle. But what, what, what American craft beer has done in the beginning, and it, it was very prevalent when we talked to, in the early days to, to equipment suppliers uh, from Europe, often, often German companies, they, they had been building, for example, um, yeast propagation plants, but only used one, uh, one strain. But how many brewers are there that only use one strain? Uh, uh, the, the American craft brewers had put the bar pretty high. They use multiple yeast strains, sometimes more than yeast, all in the same uh, facility. So it, it's a mix of the creativity has pushed the boundaries. Um, on a creative side, but also on a technical side, and it is not o- always easy to do things. We um, in the in the in the in the wine industry, the the the, um, the fact that a harvest is different and that you have a vintage is celebrated, and I think that you see that in craft beer now too. We're also starting to say, hey, this year's beer tastes a little bit more like that, and and, and we are celebrating that more. And I think I think that those are are very healthy healthy trends. Being able being able to say, hey, it's different this time, and that's and that's a, a, um, a good thing. Your comment earlier, sorry to, to go back there, um, uh, I, I always thought was was crazy. When I worked for Avery, when they were in the alley, uh, and then and, uh, Adam and Breeze were talking about a new brewery, the first time I was there, they had a tap handle that was called Out of Spec. <laughs> and I could... I think my my Belgian DNA was pulling at me at that time, but but what it was that was it was good beer, but it was just not in the spec of some of the brands. Sure, sure. And I I always thought that was an interesting data point. Good beer that's different is still good beer. You you can mess up and still come up with something that you're happy to drink. And that, Absolutely, that's perfectly fine. Um, you raise an interesting point there, um, and you've talked to me you know before we were uh, uh, on tape here about one of the biggest issues that you see hitting breweries today is um, you know maybe a little more lax approach to some of that quality. But uh, you you know one of the things you just suggested before we got into that was that this pace of innovation. That, that consumers demand of craft beer, of constantly doing new things, of using new yeast strains, of trying new malt bills and experimenting with new and local ingredients and adding all sorts of uh, fruit or various adjuncts uh, uh, you know, to their beer, that race toward innovation and creating a new experience for craft beer consumers creates unique challenges for the brewers today who um, don't have the opportunity as often to simply iterate and improve on their process. If you compare, um, you know, to some, you know, like the large macro brewers, I mean, how many times you you make, you know, Budweiser a million times? Well, you're going to get really, really damn good at making Budweiser. Um, Craft brewers don't have that kind of luxury. Uh, Thankfully, uh, there are brewers who are, you know, pushing this idea that uh, that hegemony and that corporate kind of monocultural brewing of only doing one thing is not what we should be we you know not what we should be aspiring to um you know but but still that race to create that innovation and create those new experiences for drinkers makes it pretty hard on smaller brewers today i it's um it's a it's a very big challenge. I, I, I will never be the one who will say to a brewer, you cannot make that many beers or you cannot be that uh, creative. But we do need to take a deep breath uh, uh, once in a while and say, 
am am I am I really contributing something by making so many different beers? And um, on one hand, we we do um, uh, do work for for a Trappist brewery in Belgium, and 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 one of the abbots there uh, always says to me, Flores, I'm happy that my brewmaster. Um, uh, doesn't need to make 10 new beers uh, a quarter. Um, on the other hand, they've been brewing the same beers for the last 200 years. So that's probably one one side of the equation. And then you come here to brew pubs with 14, 20, 30 different uh, beers on tap. We, we do need time um, to make a good beer and you do need to do it over a couple times. And I think as an industry, to, to take a step back and put a little bit more effort in less brands, but making them better is, is probably a fair statement. On the other hand, the industry has been exciting because we've been able uh, in the 90s, in the beginning 2000, to make new beers and, and, and challenge ourselves. And, and, and so that, that, that creativity is, is pretty cool too. But, but ultimately, we probably collectively need to make a, a few less beers and uh, and and make them better. There, there, no doubt about that. It's a you know, but that's the challenge because the thing mm-hmm. that uh, has driven interest in craft beer has been that new experience, and so um, the core craft beer consumer ha- is a, has an adventurous palate. They they want to try new things, and uh, you know brands that and, and breweries that can't provide that new experience to them, you know they they start to fall by the wayside. Uh, and the new, more experimental folks that are offering new experiences. To, it, it's to very grow. challenging. And that, that's why I say I will never say to somebody, hey, you cannot uh, launch a new beer. But when you do something new, is it really interesting and is it challenging? And so I think that um, it's not because you um, on the way uh, home saw a new ingredient that you have a new beer. And I think that there, there is there is more to creating a new uh, uh, a new beer. And and. And that mix of um, uh, uh, the exciting part about craft beer in North America is that constant challenge is people doing new things and it's and it and it's awesome. On the other hand, if that needs to also result in something exciting, exciting to drink, and that that's difficult because what's exciting to one person is not exciting to another. But DMS is still DMS. <laughs> diacetyl is still diacetyl. Um, <laughs> An infection is still an infection, right, and right. so in in that regard, I think there is there is a little bit of a of a hurdle we collectively need to jump over, and I think most people do, and and um, uh, some people pick that up. And there's a, a, a there's a brewery in Costa Rica called Treinta y Cinco, and if a new brewery opens up in Costa Rica and they make bad beer, but now I mean technically bad, not the brand that you don't right. like, because. Who am I to to, to judge sure, for sure. a style that I don't Flawed know? Flawed beer, but a, a beer with a mistake. They don't they don't start yelling at them. They invite them to brew a beer with them. And mm. I think that that comes back to to what you said earlier about the industry. Um, hey, I'm commenting on somebody else's beer, and somebody else is willing to hear it. And there is a brewer that did not know that you need to filter your water, and therefore uh, my mouth tastes like raw phenol because the water is not filtered. It comes over, they brew together, and, and the, the, the new brewer learns a couple things. That's the spirit, and I think that's exciting. And as long as we keep that, um, I will be part of it. You know, it's funny you say that. There's uh, some stories in our new, uh, the latest issue that's at the printer right now that, that kind of follow up on that same thing, the collaborative culture in craft beer. I don't know that a lot of craft beer consumers 
uh, understand that uh, the process of breweries brewing collaboration beers with each other is not just about creating an exciting uh, branding and marketing opportunity and something new in the tap room for people to drink. It is as much for those breweries an opportunity to learn from their fellow brewers, uh, to pick their brains, to look at the technical processes that they're using. And in a lot of ways, it's just become an informal uh, oral tradition, word of mouth, handing brewing uh, technique from from one brewer to another and and how we do this kind of process. Uh, Absolutely. And that that actually has always been the part of a collaboration brew that I like the most. you cannot always come up with something that's per se so new or so so cool, but you often learn something, and and um, you learn something what not to do, or you learn something um, to do. But I was in um, on on this this last visit. I'm I'm not a huge New England IPA fan. I I love a lot of IPA, so that's either um, an age thing or or I, I don't really know why I'm not so big on that. But then I got to brew one with um with stefano the the brewmaster at casa bruja and it was an in- incredibly exciting experience now when i came back i had several here and it kind of opened my eyes a little bit and so i i, I think i was a little bit uh, maybe use the word judgmental um and um and here i i brewed one with him it was not something i knew a lot about i i, I learned a lot and so ultimately maybe my comments were uh, uh, or, or my opinion was a little bit misplaced, not knowing enough uh, uh, about it, and and that that collaboration brew. I'm still a bigger fan fan of a West Coast IPA, but I sure gained a lot of respect for an um, a New England IPA. I think that's an interesting point because you know, and I, I think about these in in terms of art or music. Um, you know, I might listen to something for the first time or hear hear something played, and. I, you know, I may not find a way into that. It, it just may not resonate with mm-hmm. me in some way. And that's any art, visual art, audio, you know, music, whatnot. If, and, you know, but then from time to time, I have a certain experience or I experience something with somebody and it creates a different kind of memory and a different kind of experience uh, that gives me a pathway into that. And, and then it resonates, you know. So I, I had a midlife crisis in my late 30s and, uh, and got into metal. You know, yeah. I'd never listened to metal in my entire life. And then all of a sudden, just, you know, one friend's like, oh, you've got to listen to this. And and it hit. And and, and so something that uh, was never something that I was interested in before suddenly became that. But part of that, and I think what you speak to there is uh, that personal experience with something, someone in particular, and that kind of sense memory, uh, you know, probably created a ground for you to enjoy that. And in that sense, it was the relationship and the, the experience of doing something with somebody that uh, that changed your perspective on. on I, and it even changes. And I think this is an important one for people. It changes how you taste things. Absolutely. That our, our brains are malleable in that kind of way. Yeah. And I come from a family that not where we made beer, but um, um, made other things, uh, gin and coffee. And um, my... Uh, my my grandfather always said it doesn't matter if you order coffee or gin in the morning or coffee or gin in the evening um, as long as you're celebrating something with somebody and that is really what it is it it is you your eyes are open to what you're drinking because of 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 the background the the, the place you are and it was it was very telling with this um the, the beer was called sandokan it was the new england ipa from uh, from uh, from casa bruja and and 
he, he just said, hey, do you, do you want to brew that with me? And I had um, a day and I said, absolutely. And, I, and it turned into a very exciting experience because here you had a young brewer that um, was showing something that I, that I frankly didn't know. And I had formed a little bit of an opinion about, but I, but, but it was maybe not so, not so um, meaningful, or it was maybe a, a little too quick to the turn. I had a, a, a another experience that I thought was was I was um, um, I forgot a little bit where it was, but um, it was also one of the of the travels. And um, I, I'm a fan of Goza, but I don't drink it that often. And I was sitting outside, and there were some people. Um, uh, at the hotel that I was staying in, and uh, uh, the, uh, one of the of the ladies working there said to me, um, do, "Do you drink a lot of goza?" And I said, "No, I don't." And she says, "I don't drink beer, but I drink a goza." For her, she made the difference between beer and goza. Goza for her was not a beer, and she said, "I never drink beer, but these um, goza I love. I, I I drink it every day after work." Here you had a person that's not a beer drinker never really connected Goza to beer, but became new to, to our industry, right? She she drinks a beer, although she doesn't call it a beer, every day. That's exciting huh. moment. That's a person who who's new to the segment beer, right? Who, who, who has an opinion that she's not interested in beer because of the big beer brands, but craft beer brings her in because that style talks to her. And that's one of the things that I think will always be exciting for craft beer that we, we, we um, counter to the comment earlier, we maybe should not make that many brands, but then new brands also bring people in. It, it, it's a new experience. It's like going to a restaurant and you always have the same thing and your mom says, why do you order the same thing every day? Try something new. You have something new and you're ecstatic because it was exciting. Well, I think that's the, the other nice piece of that is um, making assumptions about who it is that drinks craft beer can get brewers in trouble sometimes. I think it's it's amazing that uh, you were turned on to New England style IPA by a brewery, Casa Brew House in Panama. Uh, if that doesn't speak to the, the but isn't that beautiful? <laughs> isn't is it? I, it I is, think it I is. think that's what the industry is about, and I think it's also cool to get an appreciation for a goza from a person who says, "I'm not a beer drinker." That right. th- those are the experiences that I think um, will always be a motivator, and um, that's why I will always be part of craft beer. So let's switch gears for a little bit. We, you've talked about the, the challenges that small breweries face, but um, tell me a little bit about some of that. Uh, from your perspective as somebody who works closely with small breweries, uh, what are some of, the, uh, uh, some of those big challenges uh, that are top of mind for brewers? D- in, when we make beer, or every person that goes into beer, we... we, we, we we enter the industry or we become brewmasters out of a out of somewhat of a romantic setting. It's exciting to be part of beer, but actually making good beer every day is a battle. It um, costs money, costs time. You have to learn. You have to invest quite a lot in it. And I think that at the moment, um, access to market is a very difficult thing. And so there is a lot of um, a lot of money spent on beer. Um, gets under pressure for more money shifts to how we sell beer than how we make beer and um, I think that especially for small breweries that's difficult the the, um, uh, distributor bars uh, want um, uh, everyday better beer but for a lower price and you as a brewer have 
have a harder time and so if you do a couple analysis or you you need to dump a batch of beer that goes against your bottom line and so there is a there is a challenge the the the, the money that you made in in uh, in the 90s or early 2000s with beer compared to now um it's not it's, that's difficult second we choose but to we're be- seeing you know at the same time we're also watching breweries solve that problem by getting out of the distribution game Absolutely, and uh, that's one of the reasons... Focusing on those direct sales, selling directly to consumer, and getting higher prices, a lot higher prices in some cases. And and that's great because they say, hey, you know what, I don't want to play that game. I want to make a good beer. They invest the money beer, and they start selling it through their own um, um, tap rooms and all that. And that's, that's... I think that's a that's an exciting uh, uh, development, but it doesn't mean that the beer sold through distribution is bad because a lot no, of good no. breweries uh, uh, make there. But if you um, um, you have to find ways to um, keep and uh, 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 maintain the balance that you can invest enough in your beer that you can buy uh, a floor. Um, uh, malts that are floor malted that cost a little bit more but are exciting i was at a at a beer dinner with three four with Lindsay, and there was a beer that was like so rich and beautiful and um i forgot the name now and afterwards i went i went to her and i said like wow i taste clove and cinnamon and it's almost like a christmas beer and i said what did you all use and she says i just used a floor malt from troubadour and i was like wow that ingredient then had so much more depth, but a floor malt, um, uh, a barley that's floor malted, is a more expensive uh, malt. Uh, so it, it, these these trade-offs need to be made, and and um, and but at the end of the day, you also need to make a buck because if you don't make a buck, you cannot pay your people to have good people. You need to reward them uh, fairly for what they deserve. You need to have money. To do some analysis um, uh, of your beer, you do need to allow yourself to go to to a school, so or to a seminar, or whatever whatever you do. Um, I, I at the end, at the end, is what works for you and what are the the standards that that you create, and that's why I say maybe make eight instead of fourteen beers, but make them really well and see where you can contribute. And I, I think that it is a little of, bit of yeah. self. Uh, what is the word here? Self-critique, maybe not. That that sounds mm-hmm. negative, but a little, um, in a form of evaluation, or maybe maybe get four or five of your friends around the table that you know whose opinion you trust, and maybe they saying, "Hey, that um, that session IPA is not a bad beer, but but is it really exciting? But these two others are really cool that you brew. Why not put a little bit more effort in there? And if 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 we have less brands on the shelf in the in the liquor store but they all taste better don't we achieve more it's true but i also think you know in some ways people's uh, buying habits are dramatically changing in a way that retail can't keep up with that mm-hmm. uh, um, and part of that is the way that styles are changing when you have these you know new england style ipas that uh, that really depend on bright punchy hop flavors um, those beers don't last very long and they just don't do as well in that kind of uh, retail environment because they just don't maintain that kind of pop and uh, and punch to them. And so those are the 
tends to be beers that have to be sold, you know, directly to a consumer from a tap room. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, the the price that we now pay for craft beer from a consumer perspective may seem crazy to spend sixteen or eighteen dollars on a four pack of sixteen ounce cans. But when you do that, you can afford better quality hops. You can afford uh, more expensive hops. Uh, some of the the uh, you know breweries today they're doing six or eight or ten or twelve plus pounds of hops per barrel. Um, you know, if you were to try to, to sell a keg of that at, at a current retail price, like no bar can even pay you for that. Absolutely. Because, uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you I was thinking about that the other day, a brewery was putting out ten pounds of hops per barrel, and if you consider they're probably paying fifteen dollars per pound for those hops, well, that's one hundred and fifty dollars in hops just per barrel you know if you sell a half barrel keg 75 dollars of that keg is just the hops and doesn't go to pay anybody else i mean you know and so if you start looking at the economy i mean it gets a little nuts mm-hmm. um if you needed to sell that keg because a half barrel keg of ipa out there on the market you know you might uh, a bar might pay you know 180 200 for it on the high end but that, uh, could, not, but that could leave a lot of room mm-hmm. but that could be one of the beers in your tap room that could be something that's unique in your tap room but therefore that beer doesn't need to be in a can maybe that can be something different so we don't need to offer everything the same way right, right. and that's why i think the the there will never be an end to the creativity in the craft brewing industry we've we've unleashed a beast and the and it's running at full speed um, and the future will be super exciting, but things are different. Nobody thought that it made sense to 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 use um, to use cans. Oscar Blue started making cans, and and frankly, um, uh, 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 a hoppy beer in a can is, is is fantastic. And so I I think that we as long as we don't put um, rules on each other, what you can and and cannot do, and let people experiment. But it's not because you experiment or that you do something new that it's good. And, sure, and sure. There, there, there. We need to, we need to be honest to each other and and share and say, hey, that's a great, great project. But did you really do something new, or is that exciting? And and if we, if we, if if, if we judge a little bit less and we um, help each other a little bit more, we will make more and better beer. There's the other interesting piece of this that um, you know, history will tell us that all trends in beer, in particular are cyclical mm-hmm. that uh, you know we're we're riding one trend but if i look at the pace of change within craft beer even uh, over the last four years I, I every now and then go back to our, our first issue uh, where we covered ipas uh, mm-hmm. back in and we put that issue together in late 2013 early 2014 uh, 12 of the beers that we reviewed in that issue don't exist anymore uh-huh. uh, no, that, that's, that's, crazy. A quarter, that's almost yeah. a quarter of them yeah. don't exist the brewers don't even brew them anymore uh, and that is how fast breweries are creating brands, destroying brands, um, refreshing brands. Uh, in some cases, it's you know Stone IPA is now Stone IPA 2.0, and in other cases, uh, you know Avery has just killed off a bunch of their IPAs, and uh, are going to launch new products to, to replace them. And that is the cycle that we're in. Um, even IPA wasn't uh, you know ten years ago wasn't what it is now. And we'll see how long this latest phase of, of, of IPA driven by hazy IPA actually mm-hmm. lasts. We're starting to see with every trend a counter trend. And uh, now lagers are growing in popularity even among craft brewers and craft beer drinkers, um, which I can assume that it, it, as with most cultural trends, becomes a reaction to some of the excesses on the other side of the market. Yeah, and, and the, the, the pendulum swings. I've been traveling with American craft brewers to Germany for, what is it, like 15, 20 years now. And um, 
I was with a pretty pretty respected brewmaster a couple of weeks ago in uh, in Germany, and we were having a beer, and we we had it was a Hellas from a brewery, and we looked at each other and we said, "Wow, that's a that's an incredible beer. That that beer is fantastic." And so so we 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 drank the beer and we ordered a second one. And um, I've had that beer with craft brewers over the last 10 years, but I've had the same beer with brewers and say, wow, this is a boring beer. And um, thank God in, in, in North America, we do this and that and, and the endless stories. At the end, at the end, it is how good is a beer and does it make you tick? And that's uh, one of the, the pieces that I always say to, to breweries when we're helping them. Have an interesting portfolio, make make that portfolio, those eight, ten, whatever, how many beers it is, make them all good. And don't try to say that women need to drink this, um, guys over 40 need to drink that, let people choose. And if you um, uh, make 14 interesting beers, you've done your job. And they are worthwhile and all 14 are a worthy choice for me as a consumer, then you've done a great job and you work on a 15th one while you take one off. But the... The cycle, we almost all need like a breeding apparatus to survive the speed <laughs> of new beers because it's it's not possible. That's an interesting one. From a consumer standpoint, um, what do you think what do you think consumers should know uh, about a beer that when they walk into breweries, uh, what do you think is the biggest piece of knowledge in that consumer mind that might be missing right now or might need a little bit of fostering and uh, and growth? If you if you don't know what diacetyl is as a consumer and you have a beer and it has diacetyl uh, in it, then there is nothing you can comment on that. So I think that as brewers collectively, we do need to keep educating um, but, uh, but uh, beer drinkers. Flaw, I mean, brewers consider diacetyl a flaw, um, mm-hmm. but uh, if, if a consumer isn't trained to think that that's a flaw, um, you know, is, is it really that bad? That, and that's the ultimate question when, when we do tasting classes and we say in most beers this is a flaw, but in these two beers it's considered not a flaw. What are we really saying? I, I think that's a very, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very good point. I, my, my norm always is a little bit, is a beer um, uh, uh, drinkable? Is it, is it enjoyable? Does a person want to order a second one of it? If, if you are a person and you love diacetyl in beer, then I'm not sure I have a point by saying, hey, that beer is diacetyl, you cannot have it. Um, or if your just palate is blind to that. And, or your palate is blind, I, I, absolutely. I, I, an, an experience that I have often, you're, you're drinking um, uh, with some consumers in a bar and you have a beer and somebody drinks one and they said, like, I can only have one of this. Like, they, they order a beer, very exciting, but they cannot really finish their glass. Then I then I think maybe that beer, there there is something that 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 beer misses, and so whether they can articulate it or not. Uh, yeah, exactly. If they can articulate it or not, it doesn't really matter then. But you as a brewer need to be able to articulate why a person cannot drink more than one beer of that beer from uh, uh, from you. And um, I started at um, uh, brewing uh, for Mortsebiet in Belgium a hundred years ago, and uh, the 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 brewmaster there. Um, I remember him him um, well, as a as a young kid working there. I um, everything the guy said I thought was cool, um, but but not everything I I do remember. But the one thing he said, Flores, if you are not interested to have a second one of the beer you just had, then there was something wrong, regardless. And 
and I, I, I still have always kind of carried that, that with me. If you cannot get to drink a second beer of what you just had, then you as a brewer have to be willing to look at like, hey, is it is it a crazy recipe? Did I not make it right? Um, but ultimately the point, um, um, what you bring up, it's because a consumer asks for it. Is it there? Is it therefore okay? That's a that's a difficult one. I, I I would like that to think that we have some more values. And to me, knowing that a brewery is very sustainable and pays the, their people a truly living wage, um, although I don't taste that in the beer. Hey, this brewer was paid a fair wage. It uh, it's the setting and and the value. And and to me, um, that is exciting. Knowing that a certain brewery does research in beer and contributes to the bigger brewing community um, that probably makes me taste their beer better or me liking their beer more and um, but do i taste that no i don't that's a that's a good point uh and i wonder you know how many consumers kind of take a look at that brewery's position in the in the world of beer as a whole and where they influence and consider probably them. not many probably I, not. I, I you and i do yeah. and um and the brewers we ha- hang out with i uh, one thing that i thought was interesting i was talking to some brewers and 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 uh, um afterwards i thought actually my entire life i drink brewery fresh beer that most of the time i even don't pay for because people <laughs> people give it to me and so we're, oh, we're now you're bragging <laughs> no no but I, I i think about it we you sure, you too sure you always drink very fresh beer. The right, beers that, right. that people want me to try are, are fresh beers in a brewery. And So is our experience totally the same as people that buy beer in liquor stores, go to tap rooms and all that? No, it's not. And so um, the more we can... Um, uh, and that, goes for, effort that goes for in shelf everybody life. who's a brewer, right? Yeah, for for all of them. So, so when you have a conversation about shelf life, don't forget that the majority of the people who drink your beer are not privileged like we are and and be honest about that and so the effort to reduce the dissolved oxygen or the extra x thousand dollars you put in a better uh, um, filler um, you do something for that guy that can only buy um, um, your six-pack in the liquor store and so we, we we those investments if it's time or dollars or 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 trying to improve a process Th- those are very wordy, and uh, and that is one of the things I always try to point out. It's not because you and I don't see the immediate consequence, but maybe a lot of your drinkers will see, and that that's exciting. That's true, and I, I do every now and then uh, uh, get out there in other parts of the country and and do buy beer out of retail uh, environments just to to see what folks get subjected to and i mean it's it's fascinating i mean i found two-year-old ipas on the shelves in in florida when visiting my parents on vacation um i mean it's just just incredible the way that uh, you know you find old warm stored beer sitting out there and uh you know not everyone takes the same kind of uh, approach that uh, the top end of craft beer does and making sure that it's kept fresh that it's all in code that it's all sold properly and uh, and then even cared for in the chain of command that uh, i mean i i've had i've bought beer out of coolers that uh, was less than a month old and it was still oxidized you know mm-hmm. and so who knows where how that was cared for by the distributor did it sit outside in an unair conditioned you know uh, you know uh, uh, 
warehouse. Uh, but when, when we say there. that we as brewers take a responsibility, uh, have a responsibility towards craft beer, then I think we should extend that it's not just brewers, it's us distributors, it's us uh, bar owners, it's us um, um, beverage managers in, in restaurants, it's, it's, it's all of us. And I, and, and, but that responsibility is effort. We have sure, to put sure. effort uh, in it, and um, I'll, uh, I'll I'll correct myself. I do buy uh, a beer too, <laughs> but I, I I don't do it uh, uh, very often. But I do it when I'm at places to sure. try beers that I that I don't know. And, uh, and uh, a beer that I thought was always quite different. This is we uh, when I worked at Dogfish, I, I was a, a big fan of 90 Minute. I, I thought we we brewed that. Um, we, we we got that to to be an incredibly exciting beer, and then you were at the West Coast, and then you had a ninety minute. That was not the same the mm. same beer, although we we would wanted it to be. We put a lot of effort sure. it, for it uh, uh, to be, and I think that the more as a group we can do to 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 make that better. But uh, um, ultimately, um, we we don't we we are not selling. A technical liquid with a certain set of parameters. We we create something um, um, to celebrate things, to be around. To um, I was with uh, with um, some of the clients in your bar uh, who were here in in Fort Collins. The people from Honduras. We don't own it anymore. Uh, you don't? <laughs> no, we're no, we, we we sold the bar to our minority partners. Oh, uh, okay, good. Well, year. we were still there. It's a great bar, Tap yeah. and Handle in Fort yeah. Collins, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, our and office we, is right behind it. Okay, well, well, we should have come then with the beer into your office. But we had <laughs> we tasted some beers and we had a fantastic evening. And I think that at the end. Um, uh, we, we we need to, to put a lot of effort in the beers to make them good, but it also needs to be fun. And if we can keep the fun in beer um, and help each other to to, to, to do that well, that's, that's as important as um, reducing the diacetyl level. That's a good point. Um, to, to step back to something you said earlier about uh, you know brewer, brewers and, and those that work in breweries developing you know their own palates, uh, something that I've talked about uh, to some length, especially in our, our brewery accelerator events that that we run, is this concept of uh, tunnel vision among brewers. That mm-hmm. uh, uh, in, in some of my experience, especially with larger brewers, but but brewers really across all the sizes. Um, just like we drink, you and I drink a lot of fresh beer that brewers give us, um, most folks that work for breweries taste that brewery's beer. Um, brewers, breweries have great programs to you know, share, you know, give their own staff free beer from their brewery, and it's a, it's a nice perk. Um, some of them give them quite a bit of free beer, and as a result, a lot of folks that work for breweries uh, end up tasting mostly and drinking mostly that their own brewery's beer. And that, in some ways, creates uh, almost a, like a self-fulfilling prophecy that uh, creates a house palette and it creates uh, you know, an idea of what is good and what is standard you know, based on the beer that that brewery itself brews and not necessarily, it's not as outward looking and looking at it from a perspective of a consumer who is not as loyal to that one brewery that's drinking a lot of different things and whose uh, whose own palate may be evolving and evolving more rapidly because they're experiencing beer from other breweries. Uh, the um, exposing yourself to new things, being innovative, is a is a is a challenge. It's not something just in beer. Being being open minded, trying new things, 
and um, the 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 point you make is 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 a very good one that's like a brewery where only the brewmaster can say if the beer is good who only drinks his own beer so after a while what is he saying it's it's a and and um with the free beer in breweries um i've actually always liked the perk of getting free beer so <laughs> i'm not um, saying it's wrong I, no I'm no it, I'm just it, saying it, the folks that work for breweries maybe want to trade their own beer with other it, breweries. It's absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely true. I think that you you need to be willing to um, taste your beer compared to others. It's also okay to have an opinion and say, like what I mentioned earlier, I was not big in, um, and I'm still not big in New England IPA, but I had a, a great experience uh, with it. You, you, you need to... Um, the horses have these little plates to m keep them going uh, straight. One of the uh, around their eyes, um, blinders, how do you call it? Sure, sure. Uh, and so the horse keeps running uh, forward. One of the exciting thing about craft beer um, uh, in the 90s was we didn't have blinders. We went all over in every direction, sometimes wrong, but we went in every direction. And I think that my, my biggest advice to any brewer assistant brewer um people that works in a brewery is is like be open-minded expose yourself to other things or allow yourself to be surprised at the conversation uh uh where the lady was telling me that goza was not a beer but it was an ex but but how great goza was i think is was was meaningful the um, brewing a, a beer with another brewer the collaboration of a style that you don't know a lot about awesome um, having somebody talk about a new ingredient, um, like the three for dinner, the, the the floor mold, really. So I I, I think the, the the if if we don't fall in the trap to start putting um, to, to to put what we do in a box or, or or to 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 limit what we can think is important. That's one of the things why I actually lately have have liked um, being in Central and South America for some projects. Is is they they um, eat different there. They have different things that that they get excited about. And um, I think an, an open-mindedness. And uh, if we as a as an industry can 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 keep looking uh, uh, at each other and and still um, allow others to say, hey, why don't you never do that? I was at the, I had a beer. What is it from Odell's Rupture? Mm -hmm. And um, the, the, the lady that was giving the tour was telling me how they were using the hub. I thought it was super cool. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I'd been drinking Odell's from 93 when I moved here. <laughs> but here's a brewery that, on one hand, you think you know everything about, and then you get surprised, and it's exciting. And I think that we, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an industry, there is some kind of a, of a, of a resizing um, how big are the big guys? How small are the small guys? But there is no reason why we, why why a brewery that you on one hand think you know everything about, cannot surprise you, and and they did. So you just mentioned uh, breweries in Central and South America, kind of cr uh, helping rekindle some excitement and interest in craft beer because they're doing new and different things. Also, you've mentioned that uh, keeping it fun is pretty important. And the culture of craft beer in Central and South America seems to be a little closer to what it looked like in the United States 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, where uh, there was this unbridled enthusiasm just for craft beer, period. But what what is it in particular about uh, you know the the cultures in Central and South America that 
that make it so exciting and make what they're doing with beer? And and what is it that you're seeing them do that uh, is novel, interesting, or uh, or adding something to the world of craft beer in general? The uh, the uh, is a, is a great is a great question. Um, I was at a beer festival in in January, and I was at this festival, and I realized after that nobody asked me that they. Um, what the what the the IBUs were for a beer <laughs> like there was no like I'm almost like nerdy geeky question the entire thing but it was an, an event people seemed to just have fun it was was less about the technicality of the beers hey do you taste the cherries uh, what 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 about what do you think is the alcohol I mean, no it was none of that it was like which is a funny thing for you to young, say because it's it's kind of your job. To, oh yeah, uh, totally, totally. <laughs> it is, it, and and there is room to have that conversation. But we, it was like next to the Panama Canal. It was this evening. It was beautiful weather, and it was like a bunch of young people, and 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 they were talking about the World Cup that Belgium was going to play Panama. They were talking about. Um, not that people didn't say anything about beer. People would say this is fun. This would taste. But there was a there was an an. Um, a, a spontaneity, or how do you pronounce that in English? Sure, sure. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, was was very very uh, refreshing. There was also an element of ignorance that was exciting, um, and uh, and it and it it, it reminded me it, you 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 didn't need to know anything about beer to have a good time at that festival, and that's what I mean with the fun. Somehow that was possible. What I think is exciting um, about about uh, Central and South America is is um, People there are a little bit where we were here in the late 80s and early 90s, and they're saying, "Hey, let's do something new." They, they are, and they're inherently happy people, and they'd like to celebrate and turn turn the salsa up a little bit and have it with a good beer. So I think it's it's that joie vive, that that element of life. Hey, let's have a good let's have a let's have a good time, and maybe. Don't take it too serious. And so on one hand, to your point, I am talking about making the beers better and all that. And so that is a serious task. But maybe sometimes when we're done work, we need to lean back and, um, and, and, and have a few beers and enjoy them. Well, if there's any takeaway, I am getting this idea that more brewers need to have fun, mm-hmm. and that fun should be a, as big of a component in this. Um, and, but the question, you know, hits me like, how, how do you make that fun? And and maybe, and and this is just a, you know, a point for us to talk about, um, is brewers, you know, are brewers in America sharing too much information on a technical side with consumers in a attempt to give them an entry into the beer, you know, listing things, everything from titratable acidity levels in their sour beer to IBU levels in their, in their hoppy beers to pounds per barrel of fruit added or pounds per barrel of coconut. Or, you know, is this, uh, is there something culturally about our attachment to data and numbers and, you know, the perceived realness of that uh is that taking away from say the you know the gestalt of some of these beers themselves and that experience that the brewers want to provide for uh, for customers yeah i in general i love the the transparency element I, I i think it's very cool when a brewer says this is what i have here i think it shows an honesty and um one of the things when we build uh, breweries or we help people build breweries we always try to really celebrate that openness. You see the lab, you see what's happening. We're, we're not trying to hide anything. So to me, that's a very, that's an awesome value that craft beer has. 
But how often have you bought a, um, a bottle of beer because the the titratable acidity <laughs> number was two? You never, right? You never, you've never, never done that. So we have a tendency, or, or say, like you know, I could know the titratable acidity number, and yet if I don't know, you know, what the finishing gravity is, does it even matter? Because uh, those two things have significant impacts on each other in the way that they present. In flavor, uh, I, I, that's the the. I think that we as a, as a as brewers, we do need to know the numbers and we need to do things with it. And I think that some of our consumers like the numbers too, and that is awesome. But the majority of our consumers don't care. They want that it's a good <laughs> sure, sure. that it's a good beer. We're good a little bit undefined, and um, so I, I I think it's exciting that we share a uh, a lot of the numbers. It, I think it also proves a certain artisanalness something that we know our processes i think it's exciting but there is also an, um, an 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 element of it where it doesn't matter i love my audi but i could not quote you the 140 parameters uh, <laughs> why an audi uh, sure, uh, drives sure. well but there are people that will buy the audi over the 140 parameters that the, that the, the the audi has i think we 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 um to some point share a little bit too 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 much but I think that information should be available. Maybe it doesn't need to be all on the label, but I would be cool. Hey, if you want to know all these details about our beer, come to our website or ask somebody or something. I don't think, I don't think it, it needs to be a table stake uh, uh, um, to do that. For me, the 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 we we didn't we we haven't really talked about that, but. I like a beer that's balanced. I like something where I'm intrigued, where I where I say, "Wow, this this is really really a rich experience." What is that? And and, and I start to play in my mind. Well, is that a flavor from the yeast, or did they add something, or that? And it, but at the end, I want the experience to be exciting. The the beer I was talking about in the from three four at the at the beer dinner that was was really exciting. But but I couldn't figure out. What was exciting, but I was thinking about that. I think that is something we want to create on a on a big level. And if that was, uh, uh, I think that that's exciting when people start saying, "Hey, it, this beer is really good. I want to have another one of it." Maybe they don't need to exactly know why it is. We as brewers want to know why people are excited uh, about it. But we 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 share too much, and, and I think that's absolutely true um, on on the on the on the micro level. Um, but I, I, I won't shy away from my comment earlier that I like to know when, uh, and, and I'm not sure how many consumers really want to know, um, for example, when a brewery takes their environmental responsibility serious. I think that that's sure. an, uh, 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 an important thing that they, that they take care of the people that work for them. Well, yeah, and those, those cultural concerns are, are certainly... Um growing in importance to consumers that uh, uh you know whether it's how they treat the environment how they treat their staff how they treat you know the waste product because brewing beer creates a lot of waste product mm -hmm. um you know all of these waste things water, yeah. Im impact uh, uh you know all of us around us. um on another subject before we wrap up here yeah you've worked for a lot of brewers uh and a lot of breweries from from europe to the you know to the united states and now central and south america um what are the most interesting things you've learned from master brewers that you've worked for and with? Wow. That's a, that's a good question. I have really enjoyed uh, some of the people. They, they, they 
often are very, very different. Um, I, uh, I still remember one time um, driving in the, in the car from Delaware, from, from Milton with Sam, and he had Sam Calagione yeah, Dogfish. Yeah. And he had written a poem and um and he says, Flores, you need to drive. I need to read this poem to you. And so we were driving and he and he read this poem and he says, That's the beer that I wanna make. There was no ingredient in it. There was a I thought that was a beautiful moment. Um, um that was really fun. I I um I there is always and that's why I I, I think your comment earlier that we collaborate not so much because we pre produce something for the consumer, although that's an important thing. But there are, there, are, there, are, there are so many cool things to learn from each other. And like when the, the, the poem thing was, was, was very good, I, I, I also really, really liked the moment when uh, Kim said that we all own the brand Craft Beer. thought that was kind of a, kind of a great moment. Um, the, at the end, it's the individuals, I think. That, that's the thing that I, I like the most. But we have a media, we work through something that's very exciting. I mean, if, if we were making um, plastic bags, can you have those exciting conversations in making plastic bags? Or there's so many frivolous things that are pre-produced, but we, we're, we're, we're making uh, beer, something that, that people enjoy and uh, and so i can there, there's so many uh, little stories of 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 experiences i um the 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 abbot of the trappist brewery i was talking about earlier he wants to have the 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 bi-yearly conversation while we were uh, boots and we walked through the um stables where the cows are he says that's the best setting to talk about a beer to walk through a stable with 150 cows <laughs> I think I think that's that really, with, with beer in hand with a beer in okay. your hand and so I think that's 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 awesome. I would have not really thought about that, but um, so it's, it's these things that I I also think that what I really liked and why I think I will never do anything else is people sometimes have these the, the these comments and these ideas where you really have to take a step back and so and so it's impossible to answer. What's the best beer that you had? But what is really great is to remember all these moments where you, where you, have a beer with somebody, and it's that setting, it's that environment, it's that moment that I think is 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 so good. But um, yeah, there are so many uh, uh, enjoyable uh, enjoyable moments. I also remember being at, at trade shows in Germany, where um, right in in the beginning when craft beer was nothing. Uh, 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 yet on a global stage, but was already becoming important, and we were at the at the boot of a, of a, of an important supplier, and um, a guy comes to me and and, and and to to me and the people I was with and says like here if you guys want to have a sausage there for free no problem but stand at the side because we want to do business here, I and and think about it, it, that supplier has sold many brew houses since then to craft beer, but. The change that that has been created is, is, is phenomenal, and I and I and I'm kind of proud to have been part of it, and I'm and I'm proud for for the, the newer generations to bring new ideas, and um, and that that if, if if we collectively can stay open-minded, that that's probably maybe my my biggest fear, um, and and I I hope that. Um, that, that we we honor that 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 the the, the open mind as we received when we started in the beginning 
then then we reciprocate that to the new people that are starting now and that's that's ultimately why i say we cannot say to somebody you cannot make that many beers or you if you want to put roadkill in your beer go for it (laughs) (laughs) let's not do that um but but that i like that idea you know for if you look at the the history of craft beer in the united states it um, for a long time was driven by and inspired by European traditions mm-hmm. and so European and English and so uh, you know we American brewers are yeah making, they're different now we're making true. Belgian beers they're making German beers they're making English beers and, and that was what sparked you know the the craft beer craze in the United States an interest and desire to have beers that are in different styles than than the large American breweries provided to American mm-hmm. consumers um, but now American brewers have taken this to entirely different place. And, you know, American styles of IPA, West Coast IPA, New England style IPAs are now being exported around the world. Brewers around the world are now making those. There are American style brewers in Europe now who are um, taking inspiration back from United, you know, that, that's, brewers in the United States. That's a super moment. I think that the, I've always said that I stood with one, um, that I was straddling the ocean, that I stood with one leg in Europe because that's where I'm from that's where I learned where I studied brewing my, my first job but on the other hand I'm so thankful that I that I got a job here in in the in the 90s um, um, at New Belgium because with my other leg I stand in in in, in North America with with all the traditions and the the energy if, if that cross-pollination can go in any way in any any direction the the the, the challenge will be is that how 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 is there a place for all of us at at whatever size we are and so there is going to be a kind of a, a re um, a reconnection why is a, a beer brewed in belgium shipped over and imported here uh, how does that compare with great beers made here what do we need to import from there i think it's great if, if i want to try a beer from there that that that's awesome but there is going to be a, a a resizing a reconnecting because there was a lot of beer imported here because there was not a lot of great beer. Now there is a lot of great beer, and how do we go? But the fact that uh, visiting in in Belgium, I was at a small brewery, and um, they the, the people there had grew up in Belgium just like I did with a, with, a, with a pretty rich palette of different beers, and all they wanted to talk was because I work in 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 North America about American IPAs. I thought it was kind of a cool moment. That, that that layer is there that in italy you can buy um craft beer more expensive than than some good wine why why that that's crazy because there's a lot of good italian wine sure but the fact that we offer it that it's possible that it's not you don't drink in italy just pira pironi because it's the only beer there is but i have a choice i can drink in belgium now an, uh, 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 a great IPA. I mean, Mordhardt makes several super exciting hmm. um, uh, 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 beers there. The, the fact that we can learn from each other ultimately is, is the super value. And I can see over the next 10 or 20 years that, um, you know, that sharing and that kind of uh, dissemination is going to get even more broad as breweries in Central and South America add their own flavor to that equation. Absolutely. As breweries in Southeast Asia you know, uh, add their own input, and then more brewers in the United States take and give, and uh, 
and that that two way street of inspiration uh, continues mm-hmm. for. I, I was talking. I was talking to um, to to Ricardo, the guy that um, organizes the Copa in Chile, and I said, "What is really a style from here? Like, what well, what's a brewing tradition from here?" And he looked at me, and he says, "That's a good question. There are." There, there have to be things mm-hmm. that will, will, will come from there. And I, and, um, and it's okay to not know what they are. As long as we, you and I here on, on one of our trips, maybe we can go together and we can taste a few. And, and there is something new. Everybody has the ability to, to create something new. And that, that, that's exciting. I will always point out when it has DMS. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but maybe in some beers that that's okay. Well, we'll keep our eyes open and we'll keep our, our palates open to those new experiences as those grow and change. Um, Floris, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, if people want to learn more about what you do, uh, where, where can they find you? Well, we have, um, you just go to our website, um, uh, Katinka, katinkalabs.com, I think it is. Okay. And um, I should notice you, you, in your intro, you were really good at uh, <laughs> pointing that out. Um, no, we have a we have a website, we have a blog. I think that it's um I believe it is. And um I think that um, um yeah, what, what did I wanna say? I, I it was exciting to to share some of these experiences uh with you and uh Thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate your uh, your insight and uh, your knowledge and experience in the industry. Thank you, Floris. This episode of the podcast has been brought to you by the Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine Brewing Industry Guide. This quarterly independent business magazine for the craft beer industry features timely content on everything from brew house build out to legal and marketing challenges for breweries from 100 barrels to 100,000 barrels. Industry peers and professionals share their most valuable insights in the Brewing Industry Guide. Subscribe now at brewingindustryguide.com. Thanks, Floris. We'll talk soon. Tune in next week for a new episode. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. 